The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So, uh, church, we're moving through this, this new series that we're in during ordinary time, right? This, this ordinary time is a time when we spend looking at our new life in Christ and what that looks like. And uh, Colin, I'm going to apologize. Can you, um, I, I'm going to ask you to do something on the fly. Can you get a, a, the camera on, the, on the, uh, the, the plant that we have? That growing here. Can you, can you manage that for me? Because what we're doing in this ordinary time, there we go, thanks Colin, is we are uh, looking at our new life in Christ in kind of two main parts. And we've been talking about the first part for the past few weeks as we talk about, you know, the adventure of faith. And then Pastor Ben was, was talking about identity and our identity in Christ and then our unique gifts and talents and personalities that God has placed in each one of us. And that's, you know, we're talking about the plant right now, okay? What are we rooted in? What is, what is our unique giftings? What do we look like? How do we contribute to the world and to life? And, and that's, that's the plant part, okay? And so, uh, and then part two of this series, we're going to talk about the trellis part and what, what does, uh, how do we support our life in Christ? But no, but right now we're talking about um, who we are as plants, Okay, and, and we're going to continue that this morning by talking about something called values. Each one of us has these things called values. And so I want you to imagine for a moment with me something that you did last week that you circled on your calendar. Right? Something that got you excited, that got you, um, that you, that you really made a priority. Maybe it was quality time with your family. Maybe it was a conference or a learning event. Or uh, maybe for some others of you, it was an hour alone with your favorite instrument. Right? Or um, you fill in the blank, coffee with a friend. What about you? Spend a few moments thinking by yourself or talking with the person next to you. What was something that you were really looking forward to and made a priority last week? So what was it for you? I'm, I'm you know, that, that it's, why, start a ser- why start a sermon like this? Why, why talk about one of the things that we, we circle on the calendar? Well, it's because we are talking about values. And values describe what is important and worthwhile to us. Values are these uh, deeply held views of what we find worthwhile. I read an article this week that uh, was a plea, actually. And the, the, the author titled the, the article, Please Get to Know Your Values. And she, she put it like this. It was really interesting. She, put, she said this. She said, When we know our core values, life becomes far easier for us to navigate. When we know our core values, life becomes easier for us to navigate. Whether we realize it or not, many of the decisions that we make are based on our values. 
And so I think she's right. You know, attending this university or that university is a values decision. Taking this job or that job, how you use your time, how you spend your money, how you budget, these are, that's a values, um, a values lens. Like somebody's budget, how they spend their money, tells, tells you what's important to them, what friends you make, what friends you keep, how you treat people. And to add another layer of complexity onto this whole situation is that there, we, we don't operate just on one value, right? We have a network of values, a web of values. Most professionals say most people operate out of their top 10 values. And so some decisions that we make become a values versus value decision. Which is more important? For example, do I look for jobs close to my family? or jobs that would set me up for a more successful career. These are both, you know, it, it makes it more complicated. Or do I hang out with this group of friends because they're my friends, even though they're doing something that I don't think is a really good thing to be doing? You know, that's a value decision, and it's hard. Simply put, values impact our decisions. And our decisions impact our lives. And so values are really important. Really important. There's a list of values that, that I um, have drawn from uh, Alistair Stern's book, uh, Rhythms for Life. And I want us to just sit with this for a moment. Okay, as we begin to talk about values, I want you to look at this list and see which ones stand out to you. Now, this doesn't mean that these are going to be the top 10 values, but just think about which ones jump out of the page. Achievement, adventure, balance, celebration, contemplation, beauty, excellence generosity, growth, hope, diversity, efficiency, mercy, adventure, empowerment, productivity, self-control. There's a, there's a lot of values on this page. And this isn't even the full list. And so as we begin to wrap our heads around what values are, these things that are important to us, and why we should pay attention to them, another question that we should ask is, what does Jesus have to say about values? Are there, does the Bible have anything to say about values? Is there some sort of master list of here are the Christian values that we should be building into our lives? No, there's no list like that. And I sometimes think that it would be a lot easier if we were just told this, right? Okay, here's the values that we should have and let's go. But the Bible doesn't give us easy answers like this. Instead, what we find in the Bible is a person. We read in Scripture, Jesus. Right? 
God doesn't give us a rule book to follow, but a person to embody and to, to live out. Sure, there's rules, right? There's the commandments of Scripture. But when it comes down to these, these deep values that we, we, we have inside of us, there's no list of the right ones and the wrong ones. Instead, there are right ways and wrong ways to live out our unique values. And so what I want to do today is to spend time talking about three things about our values. We're going to spend time talking about the goodness and power that our values have in our lives, the danger of values, and the gospel for our values. The goodness and power, the danger, and the gospel. So first, let's look at the goodness and power. In the passage that we read of the salt and the light, I think Jesus affirms here the goodness and the power of values lived out in the world. Now, this is a passage that has many layers to it. There's lots of implications of the salt and the light uh, passage in our lives. And, but one of the layers, I think, is how our values are lived out. Our values can act as salt of the earth. The salt in the ancient world was used as a preservative, right? It wasn't something that they necessarily added to their mashed potatoes to make them taste better. They, what they did was they rubbed them into the meat so that it would slow the decay and the breakdown. Remember, these people did not have electricity and refrigerators and freezers that would help maintain the freshness of meat. Instead, they would put that salt and rub it into the meat so that it would slow its breakdown. And so what I think we can do is we can see our values lived out in the world as having the opportunity to be salt, to slow the decay and the breakdown of the world around us. For example, if, if you value justice, that value has enormous potential for you to, to make decisions and to build your life around important justice um, initiatives that help to speak up for oppressed peoples or to help to advocate for the weak. If, if a value that jumped out to you is ethics, then, then, then you will live in a way that would promote strong ethics in a workplace or in a community. You'd be able to reform business practices or fight against inconsistencies in, in people's morality. That's, that's a way that we work in the world to slow the breakdown down. And whether we follow Jesus or not, we all actually want our values to be lived this way. One of the reasons we often value something is because we see a need for it in the world and we want to do something about it. That's what it means to be salt. And so um, this is how our values are—Jesus affirms them as being an opportunity to be salt in the world. But our values can also act as light. Uh, earlier this week, many of us watched as USA gymnast superstar Simone Biles withdrew from competition. And on the global stage, this was a very strong and perhaps controversial statement for her to make a statement to the world that her mental health 
was more important, that value of, me- of, of her mental health and a balance in her life was more important to her than winning a gold medal. That she was willing to stake her, herself on the, the maintaining her health than trying everything that she could to win. And this ended up being a value as light moment because people saw, yeah, that's right. Why, why should we push, you know, winning a gold medal above somebody's mental health? You know, as Christians, our values, you know, informed by Scripture, informed by, lived out through the lens of the gospel, we have this opportunity to be light in the way that we live our values, to take a stand in, against the, the, some of the values or the ways that the world lives out values, and to be light in the world. You know, we at First Hamilton have a statement of these values. They are steadfast prayer, servant hospitality, transformative worship, active discipleship, generous stewardship. These are values that we have named as very important and opportunities for us to be light in the world and to let the gospel shine in the way that we are hospitable to people, in the way that we are steadfast in our belief that prayer is transformative. And so as we sit— you know, some, you're sitting in the pews, I'm behind the pulpit, but we're, we're all part of this community, and we, uh, we let these values sink into our hearts, and we can identify with some of them, and we can get, get going to, to live these out in a way that brings light to the world. That's what it's part, part of being the church, the church is to do this. So, uh, the goodness and the power of values— is that they have the opportunity to be salt and light in the world. But let's now look at the danger of values. So um, I remember watching the movie Chariots of Fire. In ni- it was from 1981. I didn't watch it in 1981. But it was f- it's from 1981. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was bored out of my mind. Because the plot is so slow. <laughs> and those running scenes are just so endless. And compared to, you know, Star Wars, it, it's, it'll just put you to sleep. And, but as a pastor, I've refined myself. And I have uh, gone back to it because I think that Chariots of Fire is a movie that highlights for us how, um, how we often find ourselves aligning with the performance narrative. Uh, there's a, a, a sprinter in, in the uh, Olympics in 1924 named Harold Abrahams. And uh, how many of you watched the 100 meters this morning? Yeah, me too. And so it was wonderful. And uh, I just love the intensity of it. But in 1924, Harold Abrahams did not win, but he, he ran the race in 10.6 seconds. That's a hundred years ago. And think about the technological developments that have happened and all that. For somebody back then to run in 10-6 is incredible. So anyway, so this—so Harold Abrahams is, is, is in this, and he's competing against Eric Liddell in Chariots of Fire. And he describes to another character 
how he thinks about the 100 meter. And he says this. He says, And now in one hour's time, I'll be out there again. And I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide, with ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? So for him, he values achievement. He values his career as a runner. He values winning. And he has based his identity on being able to achieve that value. He has based his identity on his performance of that value. I even noticed this morning, the announcer of the 100 meters at the beginning of the race said, men, I quote, men defining their lives in 10 seconds. Which is, it gives me goosebumps thinking about the significance of that. But at the same time, what happens to us when we live out our values in this way? Well, it's interesting because for Harold Abrahams, the reason for his running then, if you think about it, is not so that he can inspire the world. It's not so that he can live out his gifts to glorify God. It's not so that he can do anything except for serve himself. Right? He is running for, to justify his own existence. He's running to verify his own identity. It's selfishness that he's running. And see, each of us, when we make our values about performance and performing our values and basing our lives on how well we live up to our values, we will do the same flip. You know, we talked about the goodness and power of our values being salt and light in the world. Well, we sabotage that when we believe the performance story. Because it becomes not about actually pursuing justice because justice is a good thing and it, it, uh, it, it's a God-honoring thing and he, God loves justice. It's because we want to be seen by others as, as a good person. And so we live out that, that value, but it's selfishness. You know, Jesus warns against this in the rest of the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about uh, how it's so interesting. He, he never says, you should do this and not this. You should do that and not that. Instead, when Jesus is talking about, you know, prayer or fasting or generosity, he says, when you pray, pray like this and not this, that. When you fast, fast like this and not that. Because Jesus is, he, he's urging people to stray away from the religiosity, the performance behind prayer. He says, don't pray to make yourself look good. That's, that's selfishness. Pray to, to, because, because you want to draw near to God. Pray because you want to become more like God. When you fast, don't fast so that others see you. That's selfishness. Fast so that you grow in your dependence on Christ. You see, we do this all the time. We live out our values so that we can think of ourselves as good people. But it's selfish. And it sabotages our ability to be salt and light. And the flip side, though, 
Another danger that we fall into isn't, you know, the performance story, but it's the culture story. Some of us think, well, or some of our, our temptation is to go along with culture in what culture values. But every culture throughout history has valued different things. Our Western world, we see through, you know, we, many of us have these Western glasses on. And I like to call this the, the frozen culture, based on Disney's Frozen, right? It's, we're told that there's no right, no wrong, no rules for me, that we're free. We're free, so we can let it go. We can let go of those outside expectations and just be who we feel that we are to be. But that's a, that's a value system, a cultural value system. What is, how does that jive with more traditional value system from other parts of the world that value family? That value, you know, doing what's best for the community above oneself? That's another value system based on culture. And who's to say which one is right? What is the foundation for those values? How can we say with certainty which is a good value to hold? Or which one is one that we should rethink? This is where Jesus is incredible. Because he affirms and challenges every cultural moment that we're a part of. He did it in the first century, and he does it still today. In the first century, Jesus marches onto the scene and loves people who were unlovable. He accepted people who were unacceptable. He forgave people who were unforgivable. And to the, to the conservatives, he was way too liberal. He was just throwing out love. And they were saying, no, whoa, 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 hold on. You can't love those people. They haven't earned it. On the flip side, Jesus is too conservative for the liberals. He has a strict sexual ethic way stricter than any liberal would ever, especially liberal in, in the, the Roman and Greek, Greek cultures, would, would have um, felt comfortable with, and even for us today. And see, as Christians, we have been given a foundation of Scripture and a person in Jesus to embody that gives us, a, that gives us how to sift our values with the cultural moment that we're a part of. How do we do that? How do we know which values to hold, which values to question, and which values to repurpose? Well, we have to look at the gospel. We have to look at the gospel. And the gospel tells us that, that we are free from our inner performer. Jesus Christ came into the world and he, he got in between us and God on the cross. The perfect human being died for sinners like you and I. And that's done in the past, which means that we are, we are accepted and loved more than we could ever imagine because of the cross. And so we don't have to we're not, our, our lives are not defined like Harold Abraham's is on how well we live up to our values. Our, our lives are, as Ben has preached on a few weeks ago, our identity is in Christ. 
And that is sure and assured to us. We don't have to worry about our performance. And so we can live out our values based upon our Christian convictions without fear. And at the same time, we can also be freed from simply affirming the culture around us. Because Jesus gives us a clearer picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. And the cross tells us that we are more affirmed and loved in him than we are in our culture. We don't need affirmation from our culture because we have it in Christ. And Jesus will never abandon us. And so we can be challenged by the values that we find offensive. And we can be encouraged to live out the values that we most closely identify with. But the thing is that if we pay attention to the cross, it'll always force us into a, a more— how do I put this? It, the cross will always challenge us to take a step further in living out our values than what we are comfortable with. It will always ask us deeper and deeper and deeper into the values that we hold dear. Whether that's justice, whether that's ethics. And that is what is called virtue. The consistency. The clarity. The conviction of our lives only through the power of the cross that affirms us and challenges us, that accepts us and asks of us. It's both held together that actually will, will, will inspire us and empower us to be salt and light into the world. And so let's, we can only do this by the power of the Spirit, but let's, let's turn to God in prayer and let's think about our values and how the gospel leads us into a deeper conviction of the ones that we hold dear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have made us in your image and that you've put in us these values, these things that we hold dear and that we find important. God, help us to be freed from the performance narrative that can often lead us into selfishness or into a depression because we feel like we aren't good enough. And God, also help us to see more clearly these, the, the, the fluidity in the culture around us. By your Spirit, um, help us to sift our values through the gospel and through the cross where we both find ourselves affirmed, loved, accepted, and challenged and called to change. God, help us to hold both of these things up at the same time, that we may be for the world the salt and the light. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.